Welcome to IO Talks, your source for real talks with real builders in the blockchain and IoT industry. I'm your host, Larry. In today's IO Talks, we bring the conversation home and discuss all things IOTechs with co-founders Ralin Chai and Xinxin Fan. These two drive the strategic direction and development of IOTechs, which we discuss in detail in this new podcast. What's the plan for Avoboard and IOTech secure hardware? What can we expect from mainnet beta? And what are IOTEX's goals for 2019 and beyond? We answer all of these questions and more in this special IOTEX town hall session. Please enjoy. Today's session is all about town hall to share some updates on you know, where IOTEX is uh, as far as tech progress and some other exciting announcements that we have. But you know, before we get started, for those that don't know Xinxin or myself, maybe we could start with some introductions. So Xinxin is our head of cryptography. You want to give a little background about yourself? Okay, so yeah, basically my background is in cryptography, and mainly uh, be responsible for the research and uh, activities in the IOTEX. Uh, we building the different uh, core technology for our uh, blockchain system, and uh, also as well as uh, both software and uh, hardware development. Mm-hmm. So Xinjin is going to have some very cool announcements for you related to Alu Board and some other uh, secure hardware that we're building in-house. That's all going to be coming over the next few months. We also have some great updates for you on mainnet beta. Um, so as you know, we launched mainnet alpha in April, um, and it's been running very smoothly. Mainnet beta kind of innovates upon mainnet alpha in the sense that we're introducing uh, layer two chains and a very basic SDK so that people can start to build not only their own dApps, but also their own blockchains in the IOTEX network. Well, yeah, before we get there, just wanted to ask Xinxin how everything is going. That's I think good. It's, uh, yeah. We've been very busy lately. Yeah, very busy. Yeah. yeah. What, have you been, uh, what kind of things have you been focusing on specifically? Uh, specifically, we are mainly focusing on the layer two chains mm-hmm. uh, for the development as well as uh, integration for the for the our board and uh, probably some cloud side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, IoT is a complicated system, so you need right. to talk with uh, different type of standards and uh, handle the different type of devices. Right. Uh, especially when you're adding the privacy features or security features mm-hmm. in the entire system. A uh, lot of work to do. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, existing IoT, uh, IoT development paradigm is quite different. Uh, they are more talking about cloud backend, mm-hmm. so we need to move certain function to the chain side. Right. So that's a lot of work to do the integration testing mm-hmm. and adding the yeah security related features. Right, right, definitely. We'll we'll spend some time now just talking more about Avoboard and you know for people that are completely unfamiliar about you know Avoboard and how it applies to IoTechs, mm-hmm. do you want want to explain you know what is Avoboard, what is it meant to do, and uh, kind of why it's different than a lot of the other things on the market today. Okay, so uh, let's start talking about the IoT device security. As you know, during the past years, you, you have seen a lot of data breaches in, for the IoT system. There is a, co- a root of cause for that. When you're building the IoT system, usually people didn't think about the security at the very beginning uh, because all, uh, many IoT devices, they are, have large volume and low cost. Uh, if you add security features, will uh, will increase uh, the budget for the projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, yeah, this kind of design mindset already caused a lot of problems uh, when you really deploy the IoT system in in practice. Mm-hmm. So that's a reason uh, when we consider 
uh, rebuild the IoT security. Uh, at the at the very beginning, we uh, we thought we need to uh, secure the device side uh, in order to bootstrap the security uh, for the entire systems. Uh, th that came out of the idea to build the an hour board. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what you have seen uh, here. Uh, the hour board integrate uh, NXP Cortex A fifty three processor. Uh, that's uh, uh, integrate with uh, tr uh, ARM TrustNode technology. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, uh, you you can think you have a, a powerful security processors uh, have the cryptography sub security systems, uh, which can store your key security mm -hmm. and uh, complete all the uh, security function need to be uh, integrated into your system to secure your your network and your data uh, your data. Mm -hmm. uh, so compared to the other. Uh, it, you already see this looks like a single board computer. Uh, that's correct. So the size of the board is like a single board computer. Mm -hmm. uh, however, uh, so this chip they have a lot of security features. Uh, you can you can play by doing the development. Mm -hmm. uh, their uh, development uh, document is relatively complete, uh, and also uh, you can use really use a lot of security features on on, on this board. Mm -hmm. uh, um, there, there's uh, many other. Uh, single board computer on the market. However, they focus on the different aspect. Uh, so this uh, this board is more focused on the IoT application. It's a low power uh, processors, mm -hmm. uh, mainly target for the IoT gateway applications. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, they don't have the for the video and the other more fancy uh, user uh, user interaction those interface. Mm -hmm. Uh, however, they more focus on the network communication, how to accelerate the package processing during mm -hmm. the uh, IoT communications. Mm -hmm. uh, that's uh, uh, that's I think that's a uh, unique features for this board. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah, it carries some similarities to you know some single board computers that the community may be aware of, like you know Arduinos and Raspberry Pis. But you know, it functions specifically as you know the two things you mentioned is you know being able to grab data from different sensors in a trusted way as an IoT gateway, and also doing some data processing at the edge is kind of this uh, computation engine. But Avobor is really the key to a lot of um, kind of privacy and trusted computing in the IoTex network. Can you kind of explain um, for beginners, you know, how this device is used, maybe explain the concept of secure hardware and how that is kind of like a trusted third party in, okay. in our end-to-end -end so flow. Uh, for the for uh, building the end-to-end -end security IoT applications, you have to consider the different phase for the for the data flow, mm -hmm. starting from how the a smaller device how they collect the data, uh, how they transmit the data to the gateway or directly to the cloud, depending on the different communication standards. Mm -hmm. uh, how this data being uh, security story uh, stored on the cloud, or or which part of the data uh, should be uh, keeping the blockchain. Uh, that's uh, from the architecture point of view. Uh, for for this board, you can uh, we consider basically two uh, major use cases. You can you can use this. Uh, one is uh, you can use this one as a secure gateway. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, you uh, uh, we have the extension port on this board, and uh, you can plug in the the different connectivity module mm -hmm. uh, on this board to talk with the. Uh, uh, different IoT devices. Uh, for example, you, you have Zigbee sensors or Z-Wave uh, sensors or Thread protocol, for example. Or uh, yeah, if you put an NFC reader on this board, you can talk with an NFC tag. Mm -hmm. uh, that we we leave the 
uh, extension port quite open. So uh, basically, uh, combined with communication module, this one can serve as a secure IoT gateway. Mm -hmm. uh, that's uh, one use case for this board. Uh, the other one, you can also use this one as an edge computing device, uh, which, uh, which can help uh, the application to process the uh, uh, data security on the edge. Uh, it's more like a general purpose computing engine uh, for this board. This mm -hmm. is basically two different use cases. Right. I mean, so one question, pre-submitted question that we got was around, you know, given this is an IoT gateway, right? Mm -hmm. Two questions is uh, kind of around what's the difference between a secure mm -hmm. development board and a non-secure development board? Okay. And if you're kind of attaching non-secure devices to this secure gateway, mm -hmm. how do you kind of... Um, Kind of transfer the secure elements yes, yes. over to those non-secure devices. Okay. So maybe starting with the just a high-level concept around like what is secure hardware versus okay. non-secure okay. hardware. So uh, if you consider secure hardware, uh, the most important thing is how you store the key securely. Uh, that's a root of trust in your in your system. Uh, when you yeah like, like this type of the smaller security systems, you have the uh, main processor and uh, which usually integrated with uh, security uh, subsystems. These security subsystems, they consider, for example, the crypto engine uh, and the secure storage, mm -hmm. which we use uh, uh, to, to storing the cryptography key. And the crypto engine will usually be used to accelerate crypto uh, operations, like the, doing the signature, doing the encryption, uh, this type of function. Mm -hmm. uh, so also, uh, for example, this chip they also support the ARM Trust Zone, they, which is the isolation security isolation technology on the operating system aspect. Mm -hmm. So they they divide the uh, your operating system into two world, secure world and normal world. And when you're doing the uh, when you need to process the sensitive information for your uh, for your system, you uh, you put a secure application and the secure world, mm -hmm. and they can handle your information security. Uh, in that fashion. Yeah. So uh, this one is a gateway. So eventually, uh, to building a completely secure IoT system, you also need to add security on the device side. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why we also have some trial uh, for building a secure IoT device. Those devices are not very popular in the market yet, mm -hmm. uh, but there's a trend. So ARM already have the technology to enable uh, like a trust zone based uh, uh, security operating systems or trust zone technology enabled uh, smaller devices on mm -hmm. the device side. So that's yeah. we also have some trial uh, for building this type of security device. Definitely. Yeah. So it sounds like this gateway here kind of introduces, you mentioned the concept of the secure world, yes. right? kind of yes. the non-secure world interacting seamlessly with this kind of private environment that you can run your own processes. Um, and yeah, I think uh, as Xinqi mentioned, you know, a lot of testing going on with connecting different types of devices. But one question we get quite a bit is, is say that I have, you know, a lot of my smart home devices mm -hmm. today that are kind of operating in this non-secure world. So how does Avoboard kind of extend the footprint of the secure world and kind of bring new security features mm -hmm. to non-secure devices? Uh, or am I thinking about it the right way? <laughs> How would you explain it? Kind of yeah, question. actually, it's a it's a it's a hard question. If you if you have the insecure device in your system, that mm -hmm. will be the weakest link uh, for your entire systems. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, because there's no protection on the end device. Uh, the attacker 
uh, probably can change, uh, modify the data mm -hmm. on those devices easily because no, yeah, no security at all deploying on those smaller devices. Mm -hmm. uh, so the gateway uh, you can think is uh, is a first defense for your smart home devices. Mm -hmm. uh, some security features can be deployed on those devices to prevent hacker uh, hacker from the outside. Mm -hmm. uh, however, uh, if your if your device is uh, yeah, captured by, by someone and uh, the firmware has been modified and malicious uh, software has been injected, that's uh, that will be hard. Mm -hmm. Right, so it doesn't really prevent that hacking from happening. But yeah. if you register these non-secure devices uh, to AvoBoard, then you can kind of tell if those devices have been hacked in a way, right? Uh, yeah, to, yeah, to some extent. Right. Cool. Very cool. So yeah, I think um, you know, as far as the the roadmap for this goes, you know, we had originally expected to open pre-orders for AvoBoard um, around now, but you know, we kind of have a new focus of making AvoBoard more usable. Um, you know, right now it's very raw, definitely a lot of hardcore hardware developers can make great use of it, but we want to add a lot of middleware and, you know, some uh, more application level layer features so that, you know, people that purchase AvoBoard can start to develop right off the bat. Do you guys want to share more around kind of that renewed focus and, you know, why it's important that usability is a priority for us? And welcome, yeah. Ralph. <laughs> Sorry I was late. Yeah, I was attending a uh, meeting at uh, San Francisco. Um, yeah, I think for our board, definitely we have the first version already manufactured. We have like a, maybe, I don't know, 2030 uh, issue of like this sports. Mm -hmm. uh, all over our uh, offices, actually, like uh, our engineers is working really hard on this one, trying to develop, you know, this SDK, trusted computing, even some like a really good TA, trusted apps on top of this, uh, which is pretty, pretty fun, at least for me and also like the people here. Um, and I think the plan for this one is we will make like a probably like a 1.1 version of this hardware to make to make it like a more you know looks even cooler and has like a more you know functionalities a little bit and all, maybe a more like a production ready. Mm -hmm. Then we will start to you know uh, trying to to open the pre-order for this one. Probably I think in one or two months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we will try our best to get there. Yeah, we want like uh, we want deliver this. Uh, or to the hands of yours. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think a renewed focus on making this develop uh, more developable by a larger audience, and I think that's directly from feedback from the community and also looking at some previous hardware launches from other companies. So yeah. we want to make sure that you know it's not you know plug and play. You know, it's still meant to be a developer board, yeah. but mm -hmm. those SDKs are very important, right? Yeah. Um, while we're on the topic of SDKs, maybe we could talk about. You know, this we're talking about AvoBoard SDKs, mm -hmm. but maybe on the blockchain side as well. That's kind of coming with mainnet beta around mm -hmm. the a new SDK for sidechains. So you know, just give a rundown. We already have the SDK for web dApps that lets people build dApps on the IoTeX blockchain. A new SDK is coming for sidechains, which I'll have these guys explain. And then we're also working on some SDKs, software development kits, basically makes it easier to program and build things. So you know, for people that aren't necessarily too familiar with an SDK already, maybe explain what it is and, you know, um, what we're building as far as that uh, across the IOTEX network. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the word SDK actually has two kind of meanings under like a different context, right? So make sure this is like clar uh, clarify first. So the first one, like the SDK means like you have like a ramper for lots of interactions between your client side and the blockchain. 
So I think that is the part we already done and all, all, already released, like in different languages, like uh, JavaScript, GoLang. I think Rust is also in progress, uh, C++ as well. So we already have this in done. So meaning like, if you have like a one board like this, if you have a DApp on your phone, you know, on the web, which will have like a client, which actually use the SDK to talk with our blockchain very seamlessly. Mm -hmm. uh, we already have like uh, our text uh, blockchain process like uh, over 1 million transactions since launch. So which yeah, is like, uh, quite, you know, amazing actually. Mm -hmm. Thanks also to this SDK. So this is one. Another one like uh, Larry, I think mentioned a little bit more about is like this layer two chain SDK. So you can think it's like a, um, if you are familiar with Polkadot, then it's something like similar to Substrate. Mm -hmm. right? Basically, we will provide you like a framework of the layer two chain. Uh, so you can just run this, maybe take a few parameters, plug in you know, some functions, then boom, you will have like a blockchain running as a layer two chain for IELTX blockchain. So that's mm -hmm. basically like the goal we are going to have. Uh, but like the, the, the technical complexity here is a relative higher compared to the first type of the SDK, but still like we are trying our best to at least have like a basic framework and also functionalities for the layer two chain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, SDKs, at least to me as a non, you know, hardcore developer, yeah. it's almost, it seems like uh, something relatively simple, but it's really not, right? I, yeah. was, I was talking to actually uh, the Lisk CEO, and they just launched their first SDK after three four years, years. Four four years. three, four yeah. years, yeah. yeah. Yes. So Next. it really takes time to, you know, it's, it's one thing to build a blockchain. It's another thing to build a framework for yes, building right. blockchains and right. kind of cover all the bases. Right. Kind of like how we designed the security architecture for Alibor, you need to exhaust all the attack vectors and things like that. Mm -hmm. I imagine it's the same for yeah. Watching SDKs, right? Yeah, I think I have a conversation with Max, the CEO of uh, Lisk, last year. So they are also having like a this like a kind of SDK to enable side chains, Lisk side chains in their ecosystem, starting from like three or four years ago. They have at least like a, maybe three five versions, but they already turned them down mm -hmm. uh, because yes. you know something's wrong. You know security issues, yeah, scalability issues, concerns. So this is definitely like a non-trivial kind of technical effort. Right. Yeah, I'm glad they already launched. Yeah, yeah congrats <laughs> yeah, to, eventually, to yeah. on that launch. It's great. Right. Um, well, yeah, I think you know we covered Avobor, we covered a little bit about the SDK, but you know I think the community is very interested in hearing over the next few months, right? Uh, what can we expect? You know, including mainnet beta. Maybe we could start there. You know, what kind of functionalities are we preparing with uh, mainnet beta? So mainnet beta will uh, be some will have some like an incremental improvement over like alpha. Uh, we have no intention to like, you know disrupt a lot of things. We want just to make it better in an incremental way, right? So I think there are some like a high level kind of features we are adding to this like a mainnet beta, which is already some of them are already being deployed in production. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them being uh, being like the Larry mentioned about like a basic framework for like a spin up like a layer two chain. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that could be part of it. And another one is we're talking about to reduce like a block period up to, uh, no, down to five seconds. For now, like the block period is 10 seconds, meaning mm -hmm. like every block is produced every 10 seconds. Um, and after observing, also collecting lots of data from the chain in the production, we feel like uh, pretty confident we can reduce it to five, even three seconds mm -hmm. to make users have a, you know, like a very good user experience. And I also want to mention like the one block we produce, our text blockchain produce has like an instant finality, like meaning so you don't have to wait, you know, six blocks, 12 blocks, whatever, like a block is produced, then it's done, it's produced, it's finalized, mm -hmm. right? So that's a, uh, that's a second thing we have. 
they're going to have. Uh, another one I think, uh, which is already in production, is like expanding the footprint of delegates to 36. I think it's already enabled in production. Mm-hmm. Um, we start with 12, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we gradually uh, open to 24, 36. Yeah, and we even have like a more ambitious plan to like a uh, 100 delegates in the future. Right. Yeah, I think that this is something already there. And some small features might be uh, very, you know, uh, useful for like a database, one of them being, you know, they want to chunk the database into different files so people can do this incremental backup, meaning like they do not have to like copy the entire file, could be like several gigabytes to another place, rather they can like take the chunk of today, for example, just back up this one over there, back another one over there, incremental update, mm-hmm. uh, uh, increment, yeah, update as well, backup. Uh, what else do we have? Um, I think that another thing is more around usability. Uh, how can we make this thing like a more tangible to users? Mm-hmm. We want to have the wallet ready, uh, explore like a better to use mm-hmm. mobile wallet, this wallet, um, and also like the like the first type of SDK, which will we have like integrations with uh, you know uh, apps, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know just looking back at the past three months since we launched mainnet, it's really you know I think we've been moving like. You know, launching different kind of things, but constantly improving on them. Like we launched the Explorer, we launched the wallets, and we launched you know different types of tools for delegates. But all of those things are being constantly improved. I remember when we first launched the wallet. You know, didn't have a lot of you know features. Now mm-hmm. has claiming Vita. It has um, you know uh, almost ledger connectivity, key stores, and and things like that. So a lot of great progress on that side. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and also like uh, integration with other projects is also like a kind of yeah. part of this beta launch. For example, we will have NUSD, which will be our first a stable coin, actual token running on top of Biotech network, mm-hmm. right? So say you if you can if you want to use NUSD to purchase something you know in Vita Mart, uh, maybe somewhere mm-hmm. to some gaming IoT devices, that would be like a very good good thing for you. Right. Uh, another one is like a chain link. Uh, they have this like a uh, you know Oracle. Although they already have, uh, they just have like some data from the token price, crypto or something, right? Mm-hmm. But still very useful for us as well. Uh, so we are actually working with them as well to integrate uh, Chainlink technology into IOTX right. blockchain as well. Yeah. So definitely a big focus on the usability aspect and the you know yeah expanding the the integration um, of of our blockchain to mm-hmm. others. Um, what can you say about the hardware? So, like, so in addition to Avoboard, you know, what's the I guess what's the roadmap from here? Uh, you know, we're focusing more on the middleware and on the application layer things. Um, can you share a little bit more about you know the future of mm-hmm. Avoboard and any other kind of devices that uh, may be coming from IoTex? Uh, so, besides the Avoboard, because it's an IoT gateway, like I mentioned before, so uh, we are also creating some smaller devices. Uh, which has security uh, features inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those devices can be used for the certain uh, IoT in- industry verticals. Uh, for for example, the the supply chain management, uh, or the yeah, uh, or the other uh, yeah security related uh, IoT applications. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think before we dive into questions, maybe just like uh, one more philosophical question. So it's been a while since we've updated our roadmap, and you know I think every few months, like the entire crypto scene kind of changes a lot, right? Uh, I guess first question is, what are your thoughts on where the crypto industry is trending? And then how do how we reacted 
um, to that and kind of how does that translate into some of these, uh, you know, we're not really changing our roadmap, just kind mm -hmm. of resequencing it, but mm -hmm. what's led to that? Yeah, I think that's a very good question. Like, um, I think you see a lot, lots of things, they actually grow, nothing like a straight line, but they will go up and down, left and right. You know, I think for crypto is the same actually. Um, for for example, last year, like people are so much like uh, interested in, you know, like technology aspects of crypto. So lots of people are talking about sharding, even they are not understanding what sharding is. Right. So, but they are feel like a pro to talk about things like that, consensus, or maybe some like, you know, layer two plasma, everything. Mm -hmm. But we, uh, we feel like uh, starting from maybe uh, Q3 last year uh, until now, the trend is more towards like, uh, like the thinking is about how can I use blockchain, you know, to improve my uh, productivity, to do like better security, to help us to do something which generates profits or revenue, mm -hmm. at least like mitigate some of the risk in the production, right? So people, um, you know, shift from here to like here. Um, so I think that that's a really good thing, right? Because um, like infra, like you can put, you know, 100 like a million engineers into infra doing 100 million type of different researches and make it better. But like which way we should go, right? Because if you think about evolutionary, there are like an impossible, like a, 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 like a number of ways to go, but you want definitely like choose one of the ways that is optimal. So that's why like people looking at uh, application use cases, scenarios, users, I think that that's a really good thing, right? For us mm -hmm. too. So we're looking into like the identity of like a device. I'm not sure if you guys mentioned about, like we have this, like a recent initiative we started with another like a very big camera ip cam manufacturer like they're actually sold on amazon you know one ten thousand cameras mm -hmm. per month that's pretty good so what they want to do with us is basically back like this decentralized id which is issue on our test blockchain into those cameras so so hopefully like you buy such a camera from like a uh, amazon and you will see like this is powered by our text knowledge right mm -hmm. so what can this uh, DID do for this IP can? Um, I think the first thing is like it will give this camera like an identity, so they will be able like talking with each other, you know, even like talking with their um, owner or maybe even like some people who like owner wants them to visit this camera for. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's like a, basically it opens like an entire marketplace for this IP can. Mm -hmm. So this is like a first thing like where probably is like a identity of the device. The second one is like is data, right? <clears throat> and once the data is produced, for example, by this IP cam, by some sensor, like you mentioned, this trusted tracker, how can we like monetize the data? Actually use the data in a certain way that's like, uh, you know, uh, re re realizes all potential value. So also, I think this is also super important, which will be backed by our trusted computing technology, mm -hmm. right? So like, like people are more interested in these things, which is good, right? Yeah. Once we learn like what's the real user cases, we can, you know, shift back to here again and focus on like the real useful technologies. Yeah. 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 I feel like we're at the cusp of some very usable things, right? I think up until now it's been building the, the infrastructure and the, the research behind, you know, secure hardware and how it blends with blockchain. But now it's almost time to, yeah, show what this technology can do. So, um, yeah, I think with that, we'll jump into some, some of your pre-submitted questions. Uh, if you have any live questions, you could be sure to put them in the comments and we'll go one by one. So, uh, this first question is kind of a similar theme to what we've been talking about, but you know, given the market, it seems that all altcoins are going down in price, even with great partnerships, uh, marketing, and working products. So, given that's the trend, you know, how will IOTEX be different so that businesses can be sure that IOTEX is the right solution? So, mm -hmm. I guess what this question is asking is like, what makes 
IoTech's different from blockchain projects? Yeah, I think um, like I, I think we all know, right? Like the secondary market for the cryptocurrency for now is mostly hyped. Mm -hmm. Right, like uh, all the projects you see, like uh, they have a very high, you know, kind of valuation, maybe market cap, uh, which is because they have lots of hype. People have lots of hope into this project, which may not be true. Right. So for IOTAX, um, no, actually, like the market is actually cooling down a little bit, mm -hmm. so the hype is kind of like a went away, uh, and that's why all the alpha coins are actually just like a sinking down very rapidly in the in the past like one or two quarters. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's a good thing, I feel like, right? It's basically like a filtering pro process. Like the projects uh, that gets down here will probably go just just go away, just die out. Mm -hmm. If there is nothing real they can show for, they will, they will die out. But for us, it's very different. Like we have very concrete, like you know, use cases and applications of this blockchain. Like the I mentioned about this DOID, right? Think about it. So if every 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 one month there are one like a one hundred you know ten k. Uh, 10,000 such of cameras gets deployed to users home like store everywhere then one year is almost like uh, maybe uh, one more million right so mm -hmm. devices if all of these devices bury like a IOTAX identity on top of this uh, this will be like a huge deal right in terms of future how they can you know talking with each other open up other applications so we do have like a lot of concrete use cases right. and this camera is just one of them actually I was talking with other manufacturers as well they do have such a, like a pain point, for example, they are like a device manufacturer, they know how to do the phone, they know how to generate things like this, right? But they have no idea how to, you know, have like a software, like the backend, even like the app, you know, user interface for their users to like a better, make a better use of their product, mm -hmm. right? So I think like we are in a very sweet spot is we built the infra already there uh, of course, it will improve as time goes by. And we are in talking with these people, also maybe work with them right now, trying to convince them to use our infra to solve their problem. Right. So we are in a very good position right now. I think so, so too. I, I'm like 100% uh, confident about like uh, our tech token, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, Shinshi, on, on your perspective, you know, in the just broader blockchain IoT space, you know, mm -hmm. maybe share a little bit about what's going on and, you know, how we're keep how we uh, plan to keep on differentiating ourselves from what other folks okay. are doing yeah so uh, IOT industry is quite different you see the lot of uh, big companies they are traditional hardware manufacturers uh, they they are very many uh, many of those companies they are very interested in the blockchain technology uh, they have internal team to explore how this technology can be used uh, for their business uh, especially for the for the past about two years, uh, a lot of trials uh, within the big uh, corporations. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, for particularly for this year, I think it's a good point for starting building the uh, real applications uh, because people gradually un understand what uh, blockchain can bring to your system, mm -hmm. how they can replace some of component in their existing solution to provide the better features. Uh, for their users and how to reduce the cost uh, for the certain applications. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a good sign, especially uh, when you combine the blockchain and IoT. Uh, the, other, uh, the other thing I want to mention is uh, uh, people, uh, now the people understand more for the blockchain technology. Uh, for the IoT context, uh, uh, blockchain actually can solve the certain, uh, certain issues, for example, interoperability and also uh, more efficient device man management. 
and can uh, efficiently uh, like the uh, prevent some certain certain attacks uh, in terms of the large scale IoT systems. I think that all those features people uh, gradually understand how to integrate the blockchain into their uh, existing solution. Mm -hmm. uh, this is uh, uh, like the current trend for the uh, IoT and the blockchain uh, combinations. Mm -hmm. Uh, for for the IOTEX, uh, we have a lot of collaborations with uh, different <coughs> industry partners. Uh, we understand the requirement from each, each other, uh, and uh, we also uh, created the new solutions based on our platform mm -hmm. uh, to fit their fit their certain needs. Uh, how to use our technology uh, to combine with what they have already what they already built mm -hmm. uh, to create new features. Right, definitely. So yeah, I think um, as we start to launch more of these, uh, you know, devices and uh, hardware, and also you know, new blockchain capabilities, I think we'll definitely have more materials as far as like how this is unique to the industry. But I think as Brian mentioned, you know, a lot of things that we work on are from here on out, right? Like um, up until this point, uh, admittedly, it's kind of you know we are launching things that other other networks have launched in the past, you know, with the mainnets and SDKs and blockchain. But now we're getting to the point where it's kind of, you know, everything from here on out is uncharted territory <laughs> in a lot of ways, right? Maybe mm -hmm. can you guys explain that that path and, you know, what's what's difficult about it. I'm sure it's like a lot of, you know, a lot of different approaches to take, but how do you kind of go about picking the right direction as far as maybe starting from the research side and then how does that translate to the implementation side? Yeah, actually, yeah from the from research side, actually the blockchain is a new technology. As we all realized, uh, there are a lot of problems uh, or challenges even within blockchain system itself. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why a lot of activities happened in the last years. People focusing on the, solve the challenges within the uh, each component within the blockchain systems. I think that uh, that's the correct way. Mm -hmm. uh, people starting it's a, it's a new platform, new technology. People need to solve the uh, certain uh, challenge within these systems. Uh, now uh, a lot of problems have been have been solved. Mm -hmm. I think for the for the for the blockchain as a yeah backend technology. Uh, now it's a good time to think about how to use techno this technology to build the entire systems, mm -hmm. uh, and how to use uh, unique features provided by the blockchain, and uh, yeah use these unique features uh, to enable the uh, new use case which have been developed before. Mm -hmm. uh, this I think is a is a correct way to explore the new technology and uh, gradually uh, translate to how to build the new use case with the unique features provided by this type of technology. Yeah. Yeah. We also try a lot of different uh, angles and uh, we learn from the industry partners how they want to do the, yeah, uh, how they want to use this for building their use cases. Mm -hmm. So I think the mutual, uh, a lot of interactions between uh, both sides, mm -hmm. I think that's the uh, that's way, yeah. Yeah. What about on the, the blockchain side, right? Yeah, I want to talk about like a uh, strategy side, right? <clears throat> so uh, lots of blockchains, popular blockchains, they are too broad. They want to do everything, right? I want DeFi, gaming, you know, IoT, whatever, stock chain finance, everything. But I feel like uh, it's impossible, right? Like you, like the blockchain team is not too big uh, compared to big companies, very, very small. Um, and also, like you mentioned, blockchains are very back in the technology. So you're here, right? So like your use case, maybe you are here. There is a huge gap in between. So who's going to you know fill this gap for you? No one else but yourself. 
So that's why I feel like the more like we are working on this thing, like the more we feel, are feeling like we have to like target a very vertical area, like probably like a niche, like an IP comfort for for first. Then blockchain will definitely be like the cornerstone, maybe the foundation of this like a tech stack. But still, you will put in like a little bit some things in the middle. Mm -hmm. For example, maybe I don't know some cloud services for recording the video, some other things like an app, you know, to tokenize the entire share economy, things mm -hmm. like that. You would have to like a feeling all this big, then you can reach like a crit critical mass about enabling uh, um, blockchain technology for this IPK use case. Mm -hmm. This will be like a very huge success use case. Then you're talking about, you know, expand this a little bit, probably not just limited to, to IPK, can also, you know, to some other devices as well. Right. So I think that's the strategy we're playing right now. That's really interesting. So what you're saying is blockchain does not necessarily even have to be the dominant technology yes. in a lot of these products that we're building. It's almost like the, you know, as a trusted um, technology, it's almost like the orchestrator of many different types of technologies on the hardware right. side, on the right. traditional yes. cloud side, right. and even on the software firmware right. side. Right. Think about the phone, right? It's similar, right? Like mm -hmm. if I gave you like a PCB board with a bunch of chips on it, there's no way you're, you're going to pay like $1,000 for this phone, right? But if I have like a nice, you know, operating system running on top of this, you have like hundreds, hundreds of D apps which can help improve your life, you know, uh, make you happier, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Then you're going to pay $1,000 for this thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's the same. Like a blockchain is like a PCB board chips for this phone. But for getting to the real users, we have to you know, do this step by step. Yeah. yeah. I think that's where the strength of the team comes into play because we all come from, I mean, some of us have been in the, you guys have been in the blockchain industry for a long time, but like some of the other team is still very fresh as far as how they approach different uh, parts of the tech stack. So hopefully we'll see some very cool stuff coming from that. Yeah. Um, this next question is more around AVO boards. So how many AVO boards are you planning to make and what types of companies are interested? So uh, maybe you guys can chat about, you know, kind of the distribution plan for this, starting with the presale and then kind of um, where that presale will evolve to. Uh, so actually, for the first batch, we may have yeah tens of those. Uh, this one is mainly uh, yeah first batch mainly target for the developers mm -hmm. uh, because we open almost all the features on this board. Uh, they have all the yeah comprehensive uh, the the port you can yeah the PCIe the the MSATA, uh the different type of the interface we already unlock on the, on this board. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, later on. Uh, for the for the different IoT verticals, uh, we probably need to customize this board after we yeah talk with more industry partners. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe uh, yeah, this one is more yeah develop, developer oriented board. Right. Uh, yeah, later on we may we may need to do more customization and remove some port on this board mm -hmm. uh, to suit for the certain applications. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's a yeah that's a plan for yeah for. Distributing this board. Yeah, I think like this concept of, I mean, I wouldn't call this like open source hardware. I mean, but it is hardware based on <laughs> open source technology to try to make it very, we're trying to have people use it as like an open source tool, right? But for people that are not familiar with hardware development, right? Like software is very much you, you launch it and you break it until you fix it kind of approach. But you know, with hardware, there's a lot of things that you need to. Uh, have ready before you even launch the product. You can't yes. like yes. bring it back and recall all of them, fix it, and then send it back out. Can you talk to us a little bit about both like the kind of the challenges of creating something like this? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's why hardware development uh, cycle is uh, 
you're a little bit long. Yeah. Uh, we need to do a lot of testing, a lot of iterations with manufacturer uh, to collect, uh, yeah, to test the issues on the on the hardware side. Yeah. It's already a lot of effort uh, to make it reliable uh, once uh, user get it. Uh, also, uh, besides the hardware design and the testing, uh, a lot of work need to need to be done to build firmware to make uh, to unlock the security functions and other functions on this board. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, later on, need to consider how user can create application relatively easier. Because mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, hardware development is quite different, uh, especially when you talk uh, when you involve the security functions. Uh, we we have a lot of preparation need to do. Uh, for example, to inject a key security on the on the hardware, mm -hmm. and uh, how how to yeah we need to have a more solid security architecture uh, to prevent uh, uh, all type of the threat models we mm -hmm. we thought about, yeah. Definitely, mm -hmm. yeah. And I guess on the uh, adoption side and around the companies that are interested in technologies like this, uh, Ron, you want to talk a little bit about some of the mm -hmm. conversations you've had with. Uh, enterprises and or not necessarily just enterprises but just mm -hmm. developers and I think you know maybe I could share a little bit about you know I took a trip to Europe last week and kind of showed people all board in person I think just having something tangible in front of them makes people really understand okay yeah I see this is maybe you know it can operate as a router or like as a gateway and it can enable private data storage and that's kind of the use case that they're you know they're ready to start using today you don't have to talk about very very complicated machine learning on the blockchain. It's just, you know, I can have a private data store on a decentralized infrastructure. Um, you know, how did that, how does that kind of translate to the enterprise world as far as like the way we, we pitch this to um, different folks? Uh, yeah, I, I think really based on like the use case, right? If you want to use this as an IoT gateway, for example, like I think one of the co-founders, Kevin, He's in China, actually, he's in talking with China Mobile uh, IoT, which is our partner. Mm -hmm. Actually, they are very interested in this, like, uh, uh, this one to serve as, like, an IoT gateway. Uh, because, like, the, you know, China Mobile IoT, they have, like, a bunch, bunch of IoT devices, no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and they do need, like, a kind of a centralized hub for, like, connecting those IoT devices in, uh, like, a certain range, mm -hmm. maybe two kilometers, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like, the pitch point to, like, the, the, the China Mobile, is basically you guys can have this one, uh, maybe have some software developed on top of this one, have a nice box around it, have some antennas, then just place this one at a very critical point so it can coordinate with your no matter light bulbs, TV, computer, whatever robots they have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're introducing pretty, that secure world exactly, to their, exactly. their existing state. Yeah, very secure. Way. I think that that's that's one use case, right? Yeah. And another one, I think probably Larry and me, uh, we. We have this meeting with some some big guys from like Wall Street financial institutions. They were they were they were so interesting in like this like a trusted computing, uh, for sharing of like some financial informations among different parties. It's maybe three four of them. Mm -hmm. um, but like the concerns right now is uh, they do not want to give out data just for free, right? Mm -hmm. They have the concern like other people will take advantage of their shared data and do something bad to themselves, mm -hmm. like. The one we talk about with them is basically we will have some devices for you guys. So probably you have like maybe three people from three companies, uh, maybe sitting down in one room, you know, have this one deployed in your middle. Mm -hmm. uh, once the software, everything's verified, you guys are feel comfortable to share data with the device. So this becomes like a centralized, not centralized, this becomes like a, a, a how to say that? Central. Uh, 
central, yeah, central yeah, point yeah. for lots of data. Yeah. But still, like the data is encrypted, no one can see it, right? The board itself can see it, but it will destroy everything after like this transaction is done. Yeah. So it's safe for everyone. Yeah. yeah, I've been thinking about a lot of analogies as to how to explain kind of what this secure world that's introduced by uh, secure hardware is, and I think. Mm -hmm. A good way to to characterize it maybe is you know as a trusted third party, right? Kind of redefining what trusted third parties are. Like today, a lot of the corporations we assume are trusted third parties, but they're not so trustworthy after all these data breaches and selling of customer data. But this thing is kind of it takes instructions, it operates things, it reads its environment, and there's no way to really uh, there's no manual error or you know manipulation opportunities. So mm -hmm. just giving people the kind of introducing them to the fact that you can trust this hardware to do what you need. Um, and you, uh, think about like the, the blockchain consensus, right? You, like all these delegate groups are kind of proxies for trusted third parties in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Uh, trying to ensure that the having a lot of people, you know, uh, having stake in the network and, um, you know, following the protocol is their way of guaranteeing that this subset of delegates is trusted. Mm -hmm. But there's also very uh, there's different ways of ensuring trust, right? And one of them is definitely through this secure hardware piece. So yeah. um, we'll look for uh, look out for more explanations on that. Uh, this next question is around um, IOTEX uh, fundraising. So what kind of runway does IOTEX have in terms of funding? And are there any other plans for future funding rounds in the future? Yeah, I think for now our runway is pretty good. We have at least three years of runway. So if the BTC price goes up, we will even have a little bit more. Like our type, type of like asset we have, we're having right now is like a Fiat Plus BTC. Um, so we're all good on the on the funding side for now. Uh, in terms of next round of fundraising, yes, we're considering about that. Uh, it's not too much about money. Of, of course, money matters, right? But it's more about uh, how can we even engage more with those device manufacturing, you know, IoT uh, vendors in the future, mm -hmm. because we will need like their strategic resources to have our technologies embedded into their products, right? So that's 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 a hard part. So that's why we will need some type of you know uh, partnership kind of work together opportunities with them. I think fundraising is a very good uh, way to like you know kind of have them on board, you know, to work with them very closely because mm -hmm. our, you know, our, our interest is aligned in that way. Right. Yeah. So not financial fundraising, but more kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, strategic partner yes. uh, right. fundraising. Right. Right. Cool. Yeah. So um, this this next question is around, uh, we you just had an announcement. It was actually Rowland's birthday two days ago, and he got some great news around, you know, some work that you guys did in your PhD years. Um, and I think ap also after around, you know, one of the mm -hmm. uh, standards you guys helped develop was adopted by NIST, the National mm -hmm. Institute of Standards and Technology. Do you guys want to share a little bit about that? And this yeah. question is specifically around, you know, whether that wage technology will be standardized by NIST or whether that's still, um, you know, it's kind of like a RFP process where they're mm -hmm. still evaluating. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good question, actually. Uh, I, I would like to give some context on this one. So basically, it needs to have a standard, you know, kind of crypto primitives every, uh, uh, for every industry, right? For example, like a symmetric ciphers, they have AES, right? Public key, they have RSA, you know, hash functions, they have SHA-3, right, which is closed recently. So the purpose to have a standard is like to give instruction to, you know, uh, service provider, like a software, you know, developer, 
device manufacturer, like when you do the same, like please use this one. So because all the other people use the same algorithm of a protocol, so it will be much, much easier for, mm -hmm. for them to work together, right? So that's so that's a purpose to have a standard. Um, and this is the one who's like in charge of the, all the standards here. So they, they, they actually standardize how long like a meter is, a fit is, right? Like what's the, what's unit for time, what's unit for, for, for everything. Mm -hmm. So basically crypto is part of this. Um, so they started this like call for lightweight crypto primitive last year. Uh, I think around Q, Q2, uh, because they are seeing more and more devices, constraint device, IoT device, smart devices, uh, where like the traditional crypto primitive cannot be running on top of them. For example, maybe RSA is too slow, AES is not you know fast enough. So they will need like some some algorithm which is like a more neat uh, and also more lightweight and mm -hmm. also at the same time uh, as secure as other other algorithm. Right, so they just have this call for kind of light of cryptography starting from last year. So like the work, Xinyi uh, and I, and also like our supervisor, Professor Gong, who is, a, who is also the technology advisor for IOTEX, uh, we did back like a few years ago is uh, a stream cipher called WG, now it's called Wage. Uh, so which is based on like a very solid mathematic transform uh, professor Gong and another professor Welch, right? Actually, they developed maybe 10 years ago. It's a very nice kind of free transform type of transform, right? Over finite fields. So, uh, so like the, the entire idea is trying to design a stream cipher using this like a very beautiful and also lightweight transform to make it secure. Uh, we have done lots of work for this one, including search for the best transform over different uh, finite fields. Right, implement you know those things on top of hardware, see how it goes, and maybe design some authentication encryption protocols using those primitives to see how it works in a real world environment. Mm -hmm. uh, what else with that? A crypto yeah. analysis, yeah. of course, right? Trying to you know uh, break the cipher somehow, right? I, I think we passed this like a very uh, very restricted process uh, in order to get here today. Uh, all the results shows like uh, this is a very good, very good uh, lightweight stream cipher, and it's actually gets into the newest um, attention. I think for for now still they have like a few candidates there, so they will select the maybe one, one or two. Yeah, one. One of them, you know, to be standardized. But I would think like all the, lots of people actually from the academic area, they think like we have a very high potential here. Yeah, so that's that's a story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then the second part of this question is like, if confirmed, what are the implement implement uh, implications, implications for IOTEX? Like, I think a lot of the things you said just in that last part around like, um, you know, uh, trying out and testing and mm -hmm. um, crypto analysis, very reminiscent of what we're going through today, just at the company, right? All these mm -hmm. different, you know, state of the art things that we're building kind of goes through that same process. Um, but yeah, going back to the to the wage thing. Um, what are the implications for IOTEX if it gets accepted? Uh, I think that will be, be, be very good because the NIST, uh, once they standards, the certain uh, algorithm, the industry, uh, industry partners, especially for the IoT industries, all those, those device manufacturers, uh, they will start picking up the, the algorithm standard by NIST. Mm -hmm. uh, they will build the dedicated crypto processors for that to accelerate the operations. Uh, yeah, because we yeah, we all, IOTEX, uh, yeah, we, Roland and me are quite familiar with the uh, entire algorithm suite, so we can quickly adopt it. Mm 
into uh, for example uh, integrate uh, some of uh, our IoT products. Yeah. yeah. And also we do have the plan, you know, to build the entire authentication authorization process protocols around which for IoTank blockchain. That means if this thing is like a standardized, then all the device, you know, whatever device, it will have this algorithms by default, which will be like a natural kind of clients to IoTest blockchain. So that's that's very interesting, I think. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Definitely. So stay tuned for more on that wage discussion. Um, so this next question is around um, mobile wallets. Um, cur uh, what's the release date for the, the mobile wallet? And I think specifically for Android, we already have a beta version that uh, mm -hmm. you know, some of our close contacts and ambassadors are testing out. And I believe also an iOS version is coming soon. Oh, there it is. Not sure, not sure if you guys can see it. Yeah. Yeah, but are we do have the Android version out there running. Yeah. It's internal testing right now, so they want to make sure everything is fully, you know, uh, polish it out before release the product to the public. Yeah, so this yeah. Uh, specifically is called IOPay. And it's a, a wallet that you know lets you claim Vita and a lot of other other features. I guess you know while we're talking about some of these, uh, I guess off-chain kind of things, or I guess IoTech products. Uh, what else is we have you been working on? Like every time I revisit the member.iotech.io page, you know it's always looking better and different, and also mm -hmm. the Explorer. Mm -hmm. So you know it seems like you know even though we don't announce those updates, a lot of work is being done. Can you guys kind of summarize that work? Yeah, like I said, uh, lots of incremental works here. So for example, like as a member, like as a voting portal, we want it more secure and also, also more decentralized. So that's why uh, engineers, they implement like uh, migrate all the data store onto the blockchain. So they never use database, right? So they just use blockchain as a database. So that's very interesting. And also in, they implement this like a poll voto, uh, like a portal like people can maybe do a self-service kind of thing to start like a poll for like a for example like uh, uh, so what what do you, what do you like for the block period maybe five seconds three seconds mm -hmm. one second right mm -hmm. type of poll so like people who stake at text can 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 participate in this type of survey mm -hmm. and have a, like the results published on the blockchain so those are type of things we're doing. Um, uh, another one we are actually working on internally is trying to make this reward distribution process more smoothly for delegates because some of them, you know, are not from a technology background, so they don't know how at least uh, not in a smooth way. So we have this automatic, you know, reward distribution system uh, already built up, and some delegates are actually trying it out, so they never have to, you know, worry about how often should I maybe send out to my voters? How often should I like, you know, do this, do that? They just like a link to our system and our system is just in charge of everything, mm -hmm. right? Explorer is another example. Uh, we want to make it first like a uh, looks better um, and also have like a provide, provide more useful information in terms of some analytic data. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have someone who's been working really hard on the analytic side, trying to figure out what is going on on the chain Right? How many transactions? How many? You know? Um, yes. How many DFs? Yeah. How secure the chain is, mm -hmm. and so on. Yeah. Definitely. Uh -huh. Yeah. So the you know we're always having new releases on all these kind of products and tools, and you know a lot of things also going on with Vita that you know we'll continue to announce, <laughs> and uh, you know those are the the last kind of questions we have, mm -hmm. but. Uh, we also wanted to mention one update regarding uh, Delegate of the Month voting, which we think is a very important new initiative. So basically the concept is trying to better connect uh, community, foundation, and delegates. So you know, a lot of the thing that foundation does, you know, community knows about it, delegates know about it. 
but we also want to have the same kind of you know free information flow uh, between delegates in the community. So one ex uh, thing, especially, is we want community to recognize delegates that have contributed, uh, whether it's development work or marketing work or business relations uh, for IOTech. So you know we have um, kind of a revote via smart contract starting. I think later today. So yeah, definitely encourage all the community to take a look at all the great things our delegates uh, have contributed, whether that's you know creating new Python libraries or you know different uh, different types of wallets, explorers, educational materials, and more. So hopefully, um, kind of you know gamifying this system will uh, one encourage delegates to contribute more, and but we do need your help to you know recognize what their contributions are and also encourage them to build more and more things. So um, stay tuned for that news. And you know, I think, you know, to close uh, around, you know, one I think one overarching question that, you know, we've heard is, you know, we talked about price a little bit uh, mm -hmm. for altcoins. And we always kind of mentioned that, you know, the price doesn't necessarily reflect the progress going on. But I guess what would you guys, how would you guys characterize that, right? It's like mm -hmm. um, with all these new things that are happening today, um, how would you guys kind of explain the, potential of what's going on in IOTEX even behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I think like uh, IOTEX is probably the most undervalued project in blockchain right now, right? In terms of price. Uh, yeah, I'm, per I'm personally like investing in IOTEX as well, right? Because I feel like it's pretty, pretty much undervalued. Um, yeah. Given like the technical progress, the product break progress, also like the application, uh, like the IPCAN in, uh, in IOT area, I feel like uh, I'm pretty confident uh, it, it's it's very, very undervalued. Yeah, I think yeah. we're definitely doing a lot of things <laughs> yeah. that many projects aren't. Um, right. Yeah, and I think that overall that catches up mm -hmm. once um, you mm -hmm. know we have some tangible users of what we're, you know, I think a lot of the users of our products and technology are still a little behind the scenes and mm -hmm. uh, hopefully yeah, very soon we'll be able to announce some mm -hmm. of those things. Xinxi, what do you think? Yeah, I think we are, Actually, on the very good track. Mm -hmm. So we we are focus more focusing on how to use our platform to build a real use case for our yeah for our potential customers. Right. Uh, I think it's a, it's a good sign. That's a, a very important uh, to make blockchain be the really useful technology in the real world. Yeah. I think the price side will be. I, I'm also very confident the price side will will be goes up later on. Yeah. yeah not financial advice. Yeah. Not financial advice. But yeah, I mean, I think I'm also feeling very positive. You know, just showing some of these um, concepts. You know, whether we haven't been able to explain them fully just for confidentiality reasons, but you know, explaining some of these, uh, you know, state of the art things to to companies. Uh, take some time for them to digest, but you can tell immediately that everyone sees value in it. So, um, yeah, as we kind of climb through a lot of these new releases, expect a lot of um, also usage of the things that we're talking about in the future. So, you know, want to say thank you guys for spending the past hour with us, and thank you to Rallin and Chin mm -hmm. for taking time out of their busy day. Any final thoughts? Uh, no, I think we're all good. Um, just back to work. Too many things to do. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks everyone. And uh, we'll have another AMA probably in the next few weeks. Uh, until then, keep up to date with us on Telegram and make sure to vote for Delegate of the Month uh, starting later today. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.